1: Hello, everyone, my friends. Welcome back to the most important podcast in the universe. That is the RotoWorld Football Podcast. Number one, be sure to check out RotoWorld Live each and every Sunday, which includes this upcoming Sunday, noon Eastern, streaming on NBC Sports streaming on Ritter World's Facebook page. You have myself and Rich Rebar to answer your starts at questions for 45 minutes, along with Pat Doherty, Ray Summerlin, and Evan Silva checking in along the way. It should be a lot of fun. It was last week. Hopefully, you tune in again this week. Second, uh, please support the podcast. It really, really does help us out. Uh, obviously, subscribing is one way to do that, but also rating and reviewing. I'm talking to you, Chris and cameron and Catherine and cynthia and charlie and cleo and all you out there my friends please consider rating and reviewing it takes 30 seconds without further ado let me get to the author of the matchups column over at rotoworld.com that is evan silva evan did week one live up to your expectations
2: Live up to my expectations. Um, I, I have no idea
1: what your expectations are, so you could. Yeah, totally I don't lie even know <laughs> what my
2: expe- my own expectations were. Uh, I'm I've kind of moved past week one. Yeah, uh, it was crazy with all the bad offensive line play and just putrid offenses for seemingly half the league. Um, and when you watch those games, man, like you start to get worried. You know, you're like, what is happening to to this league? But yeah. you take a step back and. I think that coaches are going to kind of be able to understand their team's weaknesses a little bit better. And um, I think that just from the offensive lineman facing contact on an actual football field, 70 snaps a game is going to help them because there's very little contact in, in training camp. Right. So I think the O-line, the O-lines are going to get better. Uh, week by week. Uh, And I I actually expect to see uh, significant improvement just in week two. I mean, we're watching this Thursday night game and look, both of these teams have putrid offensive lines and the Texans have looked bad at times. Although I think a lot of a lot of the hits and pressure that Deshaun Watson takes are are the result of the way that he plays. Uh, But I mean, even the Bengals have looked a little bit better tonight. So and this is on a short week. So Um, I think that we will see significant improvement uh, from offensive lines as we move forward.
1: Yeah, and it's always a case of we think we know everything after week one or we come to these major conclusions that Mm -hmm. we propel throughout the season and then they change again either in week two or three weeks from now or four weeks from now or whatever. So this is obviously constantly changing. But Evan, let's get back to maybe one of those disappointments from week one. I need you to sell us or not again on Larry Fitzgerald this week.
2: Oh yeah, we are going back to this well. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that you know all the opportunity in the world was there for Larry Fitzgerald last week. He saw 13 targets, second most in the NFL. Uh, he got he had like an incompletion at the one that was very nearly a, a catch at the one, which is very nearly a touchdown, and then he had another. Um, I mean, a play where it just you know he the ball bounced off of one of one of his hands. Into the other one of his hands and then just bounced away yeah. as he was in the back of the end zone for like a 25 yard touchdown. He had 55 yards at the half. Uh, JJ Zacharison of Number Fire noted that uh, according to next gen stats, Larry Fitzgerald registered the fifth fastest uh, straight ahead speed uh, among any wide receivers timed uh, by next gen stats. Uh, in week one i'm assuming that that came on his 33 yard reception where he just he, he looks great man and this is the time to play larry fitzgerald now we don't know if J- john brown is going to play we don't know if jermaine gresham is going to play we know that david johnson is not going to play uh, we know that the colts defense is a complete sieve and we know that cooper cup last week ripped them up in mm-hmm. the slot and guess where larry plays about 70 percent of his snaps in the slot so uh, just he's just going to get get a ton of volume. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen for guys. And last week it didn't happen, uh, but our process was great. And we're, we're sticking with it this week.
1: Let's move on to Martellus Bennett, who obviously is in a new place with the Green Bay Packers. I told you before we started this podcast, I have not been able to get back to watch the Packers game. So obviously I'm interested in how he fits in the offense. What do you think also about how he might fit this week?
2: Packers Falcons. They have played. Or they played twice last year. Both games totaled over sixty points. You know these hmm. are these are shootouts. I think the Falcons defense is probably going to be a little bit better this year, and I believe that the Packers defense is going to be a little bit better this year. But I don't fear either of these defenses going up against these juggernaut offenses. And uh, I think Martellus Bennett stands out to me uh, because of how many pass routes he ran last week uh he ran 44 pass routes which was his most in a game since week five of the 2015 season um last year the falcons allowed the nfl's eighth most yards and six most touchdowns to tight ends uh, and then they gave up six catches for 70 yards to the bears tight ends people probably don't even know who the bears tight ends names are uh, and then if you look at just the coverage matchups that the the packers are going to face i mean at wide receiver, they're not, they're not gimme's, you know, it's going to be Jordy Nelson against Desmond Trufant. And again, I want to stress that I'm not saying that any of these guys are going to get shut down or something, but I think that they, you know, some or a few of them could get slowed because I think the Falcons have like legit, pretty good corners. And that begins with Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford on the other side and uh, Brian Poole, the second year slot corner. I think that those guys are pretty good. And I think that Martellus Bennett, operating as essentially a wide receiver i mean 44 pass routes in a game is like a, a wideout. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be in a pretty good spot in what projects as uh, a high scoring game so uh, like to like to play guys in shootouts for sure
1: it's now the time for me just to express my frustration with randall cobb who like i've been all over the last two years and then like finally look great this past week and obviously he's still a young receiver it's just i don't know man it's just one of those things and Season-long fantasy where you love a player and then you hate him because of what he's done in the past and then comes back to bite you a little bit. Uh, let's say in that same game, Ty Montgomery. Um, we, we talked about it with, I don't know if you just mentioned it, but with the Falcons, they give up a ton of catches to running backs. We know, we know what they did to Tariq Cohen last week, what they tried to give Jordan Howard, but he could not hang on to the ball. Uh, is, is that why you're <laughs> excited and optimistic about Ty Montgomery right now?
2: Yeah, what stands out to me about Ty Montgomery is his usage. I mean, the Packers are trying to use him like David Johnson. And he his profile is kind of similar to David Johnson. Really mm-hmm. good athlete. Not as good of an athlete as, as David Johnson. But, you know, 220-plus pounds, converted wide receiver. Uh, Ty Montgomery played 74 snaps in Week 1. That was the most of any running back in the NFL by more than 10. 23 touches, turned him into 93 yards and a touchdown against the Seahawks. Uh, Jamal Williams came in, he played six snaps and he carried the ball twice, but the only reason that he even entered the game at all was because Ty Montgomery limped off. And by the way, Ty Montgomery limps off, you know, as much or or more than any running back, you know, in the NFL and, you know, going, you need to have like a sort of special kind of crazy, insane mentality. To, to be like a true bell cow in the NFL, I yeah. think, you know, um, you have to just be like a very different kind of person. And uh, time will tell whether uh, that will happen for Ty Montgomery, but we definitely want to play him in fantasy this week. in what, again, is going is likely to be a shootout. Uh, and he's just getting this bell cow treatment, and he is super cheap on both FanDuel and DraftKings. I mean, he's just way underpriced. He, do, you, do you have any he, idea why? Uh because um, they're still catching up. I mean, okay. you know, they they moved him up a little bit, but it wasn't enough, and uh, you know, they're just they're they're still catching up. And for I mean, you know, Rich Rebar thinks that on Fanduel right now, Ty Montgomery costs sixty-five hundred. Rich Rebar thinks that he should be an eight thousand to nine thousand uh, dollar running back on wow. Fanduel. So. We, we need to just smash this button every week with, uh, with Ty Montgomery until he is priced correctly. He's a top five overall fantasy running back play this week.
1: Let's go to Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Marshawn, on some runs, looked like the young Marshawn, the beast mode we all know, uh, in terms of creating yards on his own, in terms of inviting contact and running over some defenders. I mean, I think all of us at – some point weren't as optimistic as many out there about Marshawn's season because the last time we saw him wasn't great, and that was over a year ago. What, what did you think about Marshawn's week one?
2: Oh, I was impressed. I was impressed, and I, I am still probably skeptical about how long he is going to last if he keeps getting that. Um, I mean, he's thirty-one years old, and he's been out of the league. Yeah, and so I don't know how long he's going to last, and I'm concerned about his his receiving usage. And I'm concerned about the DeAndre Washington and Jalen Rashard are both pretty good. And they're using those guys a lot, but I mean, this is, there's a lot of narrative involved here uh, for the Raiders. So Marshawn Lynch explained earlier in the off season that the reason that he came back was because the Raiders were playing their final season in Oakland. That's his hometown. Uh, and he wanted to come back and do it for the city. And I mean, he's going to get a crazy ovation in their home opener and I think that they're going to feed him. They they kept him under wraps pretty much. I mean, he he wound up with 19 touches last week, mm-hmm. but he only played 47 percent of the snaps. Then you go look at what LaShawn McCoy and Mike Tolbert did to this Jets defense that used to be good against the run. They you know they messed it up, and I think that Marshawn showed enough, you know, at, at very least enough uh, in 2016. I'm sorry, in in Week One uh, to that I think that he's likely to perform well in this matchup. Uh, you know, again, great offensive line, very good offense. The Raiders are favored by two touchdowns, which is
1: absolutely insane. Like I can't exactly remember the last time I've seen that.
2: Well, there are two teams this week, by the way, favored by two touchdowns. Yeah. The Seahawks are also favored by two touchdowns, which I don't I think is not not giving the 49ers enough credit. Yeah. Uh but I but I think that this is, I mean, the Jets are a legit minor league team, and I think that Marshawn is is going to mess them up.
1: Uh, let's finish out with Chris Hogan. Oh man, Chris Hogan last week uh, had opportunities, um, yep. but we know in many instances the ball went into Danny Amendola's hands. Look, we we all saw what Adam Thielen did to the Northern Saints, and now Chris Hogan most likely will see a number of those similar and same opportunities especially when Bill Belichick pinpoints where a defense is faltering the most and then he'll take advantage of it. So you do expect that to happen this week with Chris Hogan.
2: Yeah, because in the Vikings offense, Stefan Diggs is used very, very similarly to how the Patriots have begun to use Brandon cooks. Yeah. And same goes with Adam Thielen and Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan, I think doesn't have maybe as much short area quickness as, as Adam Thielen does, but I think he has more downfield ability, and the Patriots want to use his downfield ability. He, Chris Hogan, got five targets last week. Four of them were fifteen plus yards downfield, um, and he did not create a lot of separation against the Chiefs' man coverage. And look, it's it's not easy in general to create a lot of separation against the Chiefs' man coverage, but I think that it is going to be easier for this offense to create separation against the Saints' coverage. And, you know, the Patriots have 10 days to prepare for this game while yeah. the Saints are on a short week.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds fair.
2: Yeah. So I I think the Patriots come out guns blazing, you know, and, and it, it has crossed my mind that could the, the Patriots think – because we don't have that sustaining element anymore, that, that, uh, that ability to throw to Julian Edelman, you know, after he just takes a couple of steps out of his slot route. And rack up, you know, six, eight, eleven yard gains almost at will. Could it be possible that the Patriots come out and try to run the ball and slow the game down against the Saints? But I don't. I, you with know, Rex Burkhead,
1: I, right? That's where you're going with this.
2: No, um, <laughs> I, I think that we will see Burkhead uh, running pass routes, though. Yeah, he's just got to win. I mean, he's got to yep. win battles against guys like Derek Johnson one on one. You know, I don't. You, you have to win if you're going to play and you know grow your role. Yeah, Uh, but I but I think Chris Hogan has a big role already, and I think we see him explode against the Saints, you know, much like Adam Thielen did on Monday night.
1: Evan, I'm sorry to say we're all out of time, so we can't get to your thorough Brian Hoyer breakdown, but maybe we'll get to that next week Um, for everyone out there. We have Roto Pat coming up right after the break. And again, a reminder, Roto-World Live this Sunday, noon Eastern, helping you set your optimal lineup. Be sure to tune in, NBCSports.com or Roto-World's Facebook page. And again, here comes Roto-Pack in just a second. And welcome back. Now joining me is superstar himself, Patrick Doherty. Pat, I have one question for you. What language did you attempt to learn in high school?
3: Uh, Emphasis very much on attempt. um, Spanish.
1: Uh, So give me one memorable line in Spanish.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. Me llamo a... No, no, come on.
1: Come on. Come on. (laughs) Give me, like, a phrase that you remember
3: i honestly don't my especially my senior year of spanish uh the teacher didn't teach spanish he just like essentially let it be a study hall and but it wasn't even it wasn't like a, a benefit for me because he was a huge into sports okay so he would just come to the back of the classroom and talk to me and my friends about sports the whole time wow. so that was how much spanish i learned especially can, senior year of high school
1: can i get real here for a moment you can did you ever um, what is the correct way to say this? I don't want to say cheat. did Did you ever take any liberties of having information that should not have been available available during any time uh, in a Spanish test or class or something like that?
3: I've got to be honest, no. Wow. I was like a huge moralist uh, in college and high school. And yeah, I was like, aside from like, you know, occasionally like writing like an acronym on my hand or something, okay. which I think I can't remember what class I did that in. I think maybe I wrote a formula on my hand for a statistics class in college, but yeah, it was a pretty rare event. Rotopat's a, a moralist.
1: <laughs> my, uh, so I took Chinese my junior and senior year of high school.
3: You took Chinese? I took Chinese,
1: man. Uh, well, sure to be is, that's my pen. This is my pen. Uh, anyways, so I knew nothing about Chinese, and I was horrible at it, as you can tell. And so my go-to move was to, underneath my T-shirt, peel it back and write <laughs> um, underneath it uh, things, and then peel it, you know, let it go back to normal. Uh, and in like fact, my, be... my, Chinese, my Chinese teacher was so out of the loop that there were times where I would write things on my desk and then just cover it up with a piece of paper when given it.
3: Yeah, I have to say high school language teachers usually seem a little out of their depth. <laughs> yeah, uh, they are like
1: your stereotypical ones you can target, that and yes. substitute teachers.
3: Yes, we had a particularly anarchic uh, German and French classes at my high school and where it didn't – It's the inmates were running the asylum, Josh. Yeah.
1: It's This is something that I actually want to lead into Tuesday's podcast and ask Ray about maybe the worst – um cheater he ever found like like someone that was the worst at hiding it uh because i'm sure you know then then
3: they never found the body after ray found (laughs) it.
1: so everyone look forward to hearing that on tuesday pat we actually need to talk about some football uh your rankings your rankings are out on a website that is rotoworld.com that is r-o-t-o-w-o-r-l-d.com we need to start obviously every single football discussion is this week on alex smith Alex Smith played pretty well, probably a top three game in his career last week. Uh, right now, Pat, you have him as quarterback 13. So just outside of those top 12 options, which is quarterback one heading into the week. And he's facing the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Uh, this some optimism you have for Alex Smith. And I would like to hear why other than just, hey, he played well last week.
3: It is some optimism. The Eagles are pretty fearsome front seven, but we all know about bye week, Andy Reid. You know, it's essentially a bye week for the Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid has had 10 days. You know, it's a home opener, too. Andy Reid's had 10 days to scheme for what is arguably the most undermanned uh, cornerback core in the NFL, despite that uh, maybe elite front seven. I mean, who are they starting at cornerback? Like, with Darby out, is like, Jalen mills Mills, and patrick robinson
1: uh i think he might play the slot and then probably on the outside maybe rasul douglas who's another rookie
3: yeah so i mean a very exploitable secondary you know maybe there'll be some pressure in alex's face do i'd say uh tyreek hill quick passes to tyreek hill and kareem hunt probably a pretty good way to counteract pressure so and you know all summer one of like the main summer memes, like from seriously from like mini camp on, was Alex Smith's like much more assertive and aggressive this That's summer. True. Alex Smith's really looking downfield. He's down being field.
1: pushed by Patrick Mahomes, yes,
3: exactly. and for one week that summer meme was actually true. Mm-hmm. So just kind of that confluence of events, I feel comfortable, especially in kind of a weird week for a lot of other guys who would normally be in that range. I feel comfortable putting Alex Smith on the QB1 borderline. I'm sure, you know, having faith in Alex Smith will in no way come back to haunt me.
1: <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> but, uh... I mean, people are talking about Sam Bradford this week as well, obviously, after his performance, um, Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that week and it's only week two. Um, yeah,
3: and, you know, it's weird. Dak Prescott's on the road against yeah. the Broncos. Jay Cutler hasn't played. Eli Manning could be missing uh, Odell Beckham. So Kirk Cousins, you know, had the disaster last week. Mariota and Jacksonville. So just a lot of questions
1: in that part of the board. Let's jump down the list, the list that I gave you, uh, to stay in the same game. That is tight end Ertz, obviously of the Eagles, then facing the Chiefs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Chiefs have one of, the best defenses against tight ends. Um, now they do not have Eric Berry, so that means you are listing Zach Ertz, who arguably is Carson Wentz's go-to target as tight end five this week. Does it is Eric Berry's departure or injury a big impact on this ranking?
3: Yes, and Zach Ertz. I originally had all the way at number three. Then I had to talk myself out of that. And I saw some numbers, even the last time when Eric Berry was out sick, the chiefs still defensed tight ends pretty well. But I mean, you can't, you can this is obviously not going to be the same tight end defense without Eric Berry, who basically single-handedly erased Rob Gronkowski last week. And Zach hasn't, he's not just emerging as Carson Wentz's go-to t- target. I mean, he is, he has caught 48 passes over the Eagles past six games. And, you know, that obviously was a lot of that was last December, but he carried right over to week one where he had eight catches. And Ertz said he expected more targets with Jordan Matthews out. Uh, he was right last week. And just with that connection he has going with Carson Wentz and the Chiefs trying to adjust to life without Eric Berry, I just think Wentz has got a very high floor this week and it's very predictable volume.
1: Let's go. I mean, we're kind of on this path of like averageness from Alex Smith to Zachert. So let's stay on it with Todd Gurley. You have Todd <laughs> Gurley as the running back 12 this week, despite Pat, despite him rushing for 2.1 yards per carry against the freaking Indianapolis Colts. Yes. Five receptions for 56 yards really helped his output, but are, should we like even expect 50 rushing yards from Todd Gurley week to week? Like this is an unbelievable level right now.
3: It is, and I wasn't sure if you were going to think Gurley was too high or too low, by the way, because I've actually had some people like, like, oh, Gurley with that projected workload, you have him oh. down at 12, so, and, yeah, I mean, it's not really something I feel good about, Josh. Uh, That's what I'm he here was, for. He was bad against the Colts, and not many Rams could say that last week, you know. The Rams are now officially routing teams, and everyone is contributing, except for Todd Gurley. Uh, he's been held under 80 yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh he's been held under 16 held under 80 yards rushing in 16 of his past 17 games. That's a 3.11 yards per carry going back to the end of last season. So, not a lot going in his favor, but you know, they're getting an uh Redskins defense that's kind of in disarray. Uh he did have a career high passing game last week. That was promised all summer that he'd be more involved in the passing game. He basically monopolized wow. touches and snaps and I guess you just – you got to – so much of it at running back is about workload, and it looks like he's got a 20-touch over-under that he'll probably at least push and maybe go over. And so I, I do not feel good about it, but that's why I have Ty Gurley right there in that RB1-2 borderline.
1: I always feel like I pick the ones that you're most uncertain about. You
3: do. And they you just like you find stick the- out to
1: me. <laughs> And so we're on the the same wavelength there, which is good. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Uh, Let's close out with the Patriots' tandem at wide receiver. Brandon Cooks, you have his wide receiver four this week. Uh, Chris Hogan, wide receiver 31. Obviously, both are at the Saints. And if both can match what Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs did against the Saints on Monday Night Football, then your rankings might even be uh, a little bit too (laughs) low. (laughs) Yes,
3: yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they got unmasked by Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And now they're welcoming Brandon cooks to town for a hashtag revenge game. And, you know, cooks sort of a quiet debut, uh, three catches 88 yards, but he got interfered with twice inside the two yard line. So set the Patriots up for two bunny touchdowns and, was a very like heavily involved from the opening snap, even if like uh, the counting stats don't necessarily resemble that, and you know they have no choice but to make him a huge part of this offense. And he just basically has everything. Brandon Cooks just basically has everything working in his favor this week. And Chris Hogan, that was kind of a fantasy disaster. He was ranked yeah. kind of in like the low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three uh, portion of the board last week, and one catch, but. You know, Danny Amendola, who had a surprisingly huge role, is last week is going to be out. And even in last week's disaster for Hogan, they were manufacturing touches for him. He had three rushes, which, yeah, which was crazy. Yeah, I don't think anybody. It's saw like they that were coming. setting
1: something up and then never set anything exactly, up.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like they were like off Chris Hogan last week. It was just a bad game. It was a bad game for the whole team. I mean, Tom Brady only completed sixteen passes, and you know now the, the Patriots have had ten days to kind of get reorganized in offense, take stock of everything went wrong, take stock of what they need to do to make up for the loss of Julian Edelman. And, I mean, against this defense, I think it just sets up very well for a bounce-back performance for Chris Hogan. So yeah. I will, again, have faith in him as a wide receiver three.
1: Uh, ten days to put the emphasis of the entire playbook around Rex Burkhead. That, that's what I think he's <laughs> been doing for the last yeah, week I mean,
3: and a half. Yeah, I mean, I do not doubt that he's going to come out and get, like, 29 touches of court. And, like, <laughs> he's going to be like like – and people thought Kareem Hunt went nuts. this <laughs> yes. folks.
1: I, I mean, one of us did send the tweet that Rex Burkhead would be a household name on opening night, and <laughs> that certainly didn't happen. I actually got people like thinking I was being super serious with that tweet, like He's saying, like, "Oh, you look like a fool. I can't believe you ruined my team." Like, what hey, I, I mean, how was that even taken seriously?
3: Well, That's very bizarre because people never ever take obviously sarcastic <laughs> tweets literally on Twitter. So,
1: <laughs> all right, Pat. Um, Thanks so much. And everyone out there, once again, you can check out Roto-World Live on Sunday. Starts at noon Eastern. Pat will be joining us at some point between noon to 1245, uh, along with Rich Rebar, Ray Summerlin, Evan Silva, maybe a few others. We will see. Uh, Pat, see you, buddy. Have a just wonderful, fabulous weekend.
3: I will, Josh. (laughs) You too.